Great group going back there. Amen. Praise the Lord. I, uh, I'm excited about what the Lord is doing with, with different individuals and in this body and just, um, yeah, he's just, he's doing good stuff. Um, and hopefully we're all part of it. Amen. That's, that's, that's the prayer. I want all of us to be part of that. And he wants all of us to be a part of that as well. Um, you know, we're talking about uh, serving this morning. And as we get into our message, I, again, I want to welcome you and just, I'm, I'm so glad you're here. And I want you to, to take to heart some of the things we've mentioned about you know, our veterans, but also those who serve in this body, to, to remember, but also be grateful and to thank, amen, and to encourage. Um, in Mark chapter 10, um, there's this verse it's, we're all familiar with, but last fall in Awana, going back to Awana, um, one of the memory verses, actually over a year ago now, um, on their list was Mark chapter 10, verse 45. And it's, I don't even know why, maybe because for some reason I'm like, a glutton for punishment in my, in my conscience because every time I read it, I get convicted. Um, and it's a verse that just resonates with me and it, and it challenges me every time and it reminds me of when we were singing this song how we want to imitate the holiness of Jesus and we sang, where he goes, we go. Where he serves, we will serve. Didn't we sing that? You all sang that so I can keep you all accountable. Where you serve, I'll serve. Nope, I'm not going to serve. Where you serve, I'll serve. No, I'm not going to serve. Then don't even sing it. Don't even sing it. And I just say that seriously, but just to challenge you. Because we sing these things so easily off our lips, but then when it comes time, we're, we're, it just, we struggle with it. And we're all there, I understand. But Mark chapter 10, verse 45. I'm not going to read the whole text in, from verses 35 to 45, but I'll just kind of read the punch at the end in verse 45 where Jesus himself said these words, and, and then I'll, I'll explain to you what's going on. So in, in Mark 10, 45, Jesus says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now that's the one thing that when we emulate Jesus, you can't do, I can't do. You can't give your life as a ransom for many. Why? Because Jesus already did. Praise God. And you don't have to. And he did it for you, and he did it for me, and he did it for all those who are his. And praise God, he did it for those who aren't his yet, that will be his. He gave his life as a ransom for many, for many people that would come into relationship, be reconciled to God. He gave his life. He served to the point of death. And in the text from Mark chapter 10, verse 35 to 45, the disciples, just to kind of give you an overview, the disciples thought that being impactful and valuable in the kingdom of God was all about who they were. Let me explain. Who they were, like like they had to be important. Ooh, if I'm important and I'm prominent, then I could have influence and, and I could really be, a, be a, a, a shaker in the kingdom of God and do something if I'm important. And in their mind, and maybe they didn't even express this, but they, well, they kind of did actually because they wanted to sit at the right hand on the other side of Jesus in, in, in the glory, right? They were asking for that. And maybe they thought that, that if we were people who held a position of power, then we can actually have influence because we're in a place and our sphere of influence is that much greater in authority and it's a place of power. So, so I'm important and I'm powerful. And then maybe even they thought, man, if I had special abilities and talents, then we could really be useful to God. Maybe Peter's thinking that before he got called. 
I don't know. And not so. It's not so. Who you are, yes, you should be a child of God. That's important. But who you are is not a condition or it's not something that determines how much influence you can have in, in, in your sphere of influence, in your world, in your community. It's not it. Jesus is not interested in who we are or what we can even do. They matter. Don't get me wrong. And when you become a child of God, that's who you are. You're a child of God. And then that determines what you do, right? That's just a natural thing. But he's not interested in that, necessarily. He's interested in whether or not you're open to servanthood. Are you open to serve? Are you willing to serve? Do you want to serve? Making yourself, ourselves, available to serving the body and also those around you, even outside the body. See, to God, being a servant is way more important than being a superstar. Amen. 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 Tell you the way it is. Amen. And Jesus wants people that he can count on to be there for people. Because people are, what, are who God values so much that Jesus died for their sins. But Jesus and God also wants to count on people who will be there for not just people, but Ministries or outreach or the services that we do, whether it's in this, these four walls or outside, if it's a mission trip or if it's a wana or whatever it is. You know why? Because those things are valuable to God's kingdom, which are made up of people that God values so much. And the mechanism, the way that God ministers, equips, and then changes people is through these ministries, through servanthood. How about that? Amen. So the question is this morning. Will we heed Jesus' words to his disciples and be like him? Be like Jesus, who came not to be served, but to serve others and to serve in God's kingdom. Will we be like that? So I'm going to transition from Mark chapter 10, verse 45, and this battle about who's going to have prominence in the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, whoa, 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 even I left glory, and this is what I'm doing. I'm serving. I'm not being served. And we'll go to Paul's word in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, 14, and 15. And Paul reminds us there that we ought to serve like Jesus did. He says in verse 13, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. And here it is. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. I'll repeat it again. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Verse 14, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. We know that one. And then verse 15 says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be, destroy, you will be destroyed by each other. That, that verse is a whole other sermon. Um, not to play on it, but that, that sermon would have some serious bite. Okay, because it would it would be very hardcore to, to talk about what he's saying there is very serious about the attitudes that we have and the things that we say and, and, and whether or not we're in unison and serving or not and how we can destroy each other if we're not with our attitudes and with our words. But that's a whole other whole other thing. That's not my focus. But we got to serve one another humbly. In love. See, here's the thing in Galatians. Paul talks about the law and grace and how we're free and how the law is done with. He spends a lot of time doing that. 
And we know that we're not under the law of Moses with this whole complex system of regulations. We're really not. If you read the Bible, and by faith, if you understand what Jesus did, we're not under this whole system of regulations. We're not boxed in with hundreds of do's and don'ts under a legalistic religious system. That's not what it is. In Christ, we're we're given favor by God, right? Praise God by His grace. We're given favor by God, and we're in this new covenant, and we enjoy liberty and freedom of choice. Believe it or not, we have liberty of choice. But remember, when we have that freedom, freedom always, 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 always carries with it responsibility. Always. And that's what Paul is saying to us in our text. Don't let freedom become an excuse for selfishness. And there's a temptation that we all face. And I'm thinking about our Sunday school discussion, this consumer mentality we have about everything. And it's like, well, if I do this, what do I get out of it? See, if you're a servant, or servanthood puts that to rest and says, it doesn't matter what the outcome is, it doesn't matter how I feel, although I'm going to care, but I'm not, it doesn't matter, I'm going to serve. And I'm going to decide that if I'm going to be a doormat, that's what I'm going to be. There's no such thing as that. You just say, I'm going to serve. And whatever comes, comes, but I know it's what i got to do, and I will do it. And you're not looking for something in return, because then you're just an employee, you're not a servant. Yes, you get paid. I get it. But if that's your only motivation, we're coming short. We're serving to glorify God and to bless others and to lead them, hopefully, to a deeper relationship with Christ, if not into one. To arrange our time and our lives around ourselves in our, in our own pleasures, to leave no time, no margins, no opening to serve others, that's a temptation that we face every single day that I face as well. It's loving yourself or it's loving others. That's the choice we're presented with by Jesus. And in fact, even the marriage relationship, if we love ourselves, then we would love our spouses or we'd love those as much as we love ourselves. Right? Love your neighbor as who? So if you love yourself, you're supposed to love your neighbor. that's 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 a tough one to swallow. In practice, think about it. For you, for me, I'm being honest, for all of us, it's a hard one. And yet we're called to do that. That is what Christianity is all about. And Paul's contrasting in this text in chapter 5 the, the, between selfish indulgence and serving one another in love. Loving yourself or loving others. Through love you should serve one another. It's an irony. Don't be a slave to the law, but be slaves of one another. Don't even say that. I mean, uh, they, were, they were actually enslaved to one I mean, and I'm using that word properly, that we are serving each other so much. Not the law, but because of love, because of what Jesus already did and modeled for us. We are to be slaves or servants of one another. It's a paradox also that slavery to one another is the Christian form of being free. Amen. Not too many amens. Thank you, Pastor Mike. <laughs> I want to read that. I'm going to say that again. It's a paradox. That that slavery to one another is the Christian form of being free. 
Listen to this. Slavery to sin and living how we want, when we want, is involuntary and it's devastating if you really think about it. Do you know why? Because we're born into it and we can't escape it. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Ask if you want a kid. They'll quote that scripture. And they'll give you 623 and the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus our Lord. And on and on and on. It, it doesn't, that, we can't help it. We're sinners. And all we can do is sin. Romans chapter 7 verse 18 says that. We're trapped. We're enslaved to it. But here's the thing, when Jesus comes into your life, slavery to one another, and I know it's a strong word, but that servanthood attitude to serve one another is voluntary and it's a source of deep joy. Now you might not be happy doing it all the time, but it's joy when you're serving because you're doing it for the right reasons. And it's possible because the Holy Spirit's presence and power sets us free from having to have to serve sin in our lives. Amen? Amen. You can serve others and serve the Lord, not sin, because we're set free. Hallelujah. The Son of Man came to, 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 to serve, not to be served. And we should serve one another humbly out of love, right? Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5. So we have those two things. And we think about those who serve in our body. We think about, we just uh, acknowledge our military folks who, are, who have served and who have given their lives. And those who are serving now, knowing that they can do that. So if we take it to the kingdom, and our service in the kingdom, and the body of Christ, and outside, even stretching outside the walls, I want to review just a few quick reasons that we may give for not serving one another. And, and we're all going to find ourselves here. And I am praying that the Holy Spirit just touches us. I'll leave it there. All right? One, one, one thing, one thing before I give these reasons why we don't serve each other. One thing. You have to remember this. That God's word does not categorize our service. Who are you supposed to serve? God, Jesus, perfect. And, and then we serve one another. We serve others. We serve humanity just like Jesus did. Right? Yeah. We serve others. We serve people. Now, it doesn't mean that in our service, because there is, there is not categorizing, but there is priority in our service. It doesn't categorize and shut out any groups or whatever. But the priority as a Christian for you to serve starts with the body of Christ. And you can have a different philosophy or take or perspective. And I will say very boldly that it's not a biblical one, nor does it follow Christ's normal design for the function of the bride or its members. It's not about categorizing, but there is a priority. But when you prioritize and you serve one another in the body of Christ, the natural outcome is is that you lock arms together and then you serve outside of the body. Amen. Does that make sense? Amen. That's what God wants. That we serve one another. Now, it's pretty hard to serve each other when we're not present with each other, right? So that's important. That we are... Engaged, we're together, we're physically present, and we, we serve each other. That's a great starting point. So, so some of the reasons. First of all, how about this one? I'm not going to serve because I don't like them. Oh, yeah. I... <laughs> Who said that? Didn't you say that? Oh, oh you wow. said that? Yeah, okay. There is nothing better than honesty, even in this case. Really, this is awesome. 
And I'm glad because, because I wrote these down because some of these are my reasons. And again, I'm sorry if, if it's too blatantly transparent for you and you feel like I, whatever. I don't, it doesn't matter. We struggle with this. I don't like them. I'm not going to serve them. Because this, this, that, or whatever. You, you fill in the blanks. It could, it could be a slew of things. I'm not even going to get into the list. because. Let me just give you two examples. That should, I'm praying, will, will totally convict you. And will turn your mind and heart around starting today. If that's an excuse you use for not serving. Somebody or groups of people. First of all, do you remember somebody named Jonah in the Old Testament? Do you know why Jonah didn't go to Nineveh? I don't like them. They're crazy, mean people. And they kill everybody. And then they take them and they impale them on the city walls and do all kinds of stuff. That's what's going to happen to me, God. And they don't want to hear about it anyway. And they're pagan. And they're so far from you. And God's like, yeah, but I'm being merciful and I want them to repent. As long as you tell them that, they might have, a, they might have an opportunity to do that. Jonah didn't want them to have the opportunity. Because he didn't like them. You like how I say that? I don't like them. We all say that. I'm not going to go because I don't like them. They're different. They bother me. They're this. They're that. I don't like them. Too bad. That excuse doesn't work. God was so gracious and he wanted the the, the Ninevites to be served by Jonah so much so that we know what happens. The, the, The big creature, the sea creature swallows him up, gets spit out after he has some time with God alone in the belly and then God gives him a second chance and even then he's a whiner and a powder and whatever. You know the rest of the story. But God gives him a chance because God wants us to serve humanity, people with the gospel message. And to love them and to tell things the way they are and to be truthful about it. So, there's another group. The Pharisees in the New Testament. Do you remember these guys? So they they had a problem too. They, They didn't like anybody unless they were a Pharisee. And they had their own club or their group. And they felt that, that these people don't know nothing. And we know the law so well. And we're teachers of how to be religious and right with God. And then, then not only that, well, we think it's a great idea to add to what God already said. And let's make about a thousand more laws or whatever. So hundreds of more laws. And let's, let's really make life difficult for people. And they looked down their noses at people. And sat them down in the synagogues. And talked down at them. And told them how to do it. And you now can't do this. And you can do this. And, and this whole system. And... They, you know what? They didn't like them. And the problem after that was that nobody liked them either because they were jerks. This was an example, this idea of I don't like them. It, it was, they had a superiority complex. They thought they were, they were too good for the job of serving a particular person or people group. And it's sinful. The superiority complex. And it leads to cockiness. You think you're so above and you're better and you're good and nothing can take you down. Oh, Jesus took the Pharisees down like nobody's business. God knew how to take Jonah down quite a ways down in that beast, right? He knew how to do that. But it leads to something else. And it's the the second reason or excuse that we might give for not serving one another. I'm not gifted and I'm not talented, God. I'm not able. I I don't have what it takes to serve. 
Now, now this, this is the other side. The, the idea of I don't like them comes from a superiority complex. This is an inferiority complex where you're, there's cowardice going on. And God hasn't called us to that. Paul writes to Timothy, he hasn't given us that spirit of cowardice or cowardly spirit, but of, but of what? Of love, sound, and a, the strength and of power, right? That's what he's given us so that we can serve the way we're supposed to. And it's not because, look, if you're a Christian... You have, there's no place for cowardice. You, you might struggle through that, but God can help you with that because he's in your life. He'll give you confidence. He won't elevate you to cower, to cockiness. He wants you to be confident, know it, have confidence knowing that he's with you and that you can do it because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. I'm not gifted. I'm not talented. I can't do that. Let me just tell you one thing and close that excuse and close the book on that. Is this. If you look through the Bible... From, the, from after the fall on, the whole scripture, you will find a list that goes on and on and on and on of people that God chose to serve, not only himself, but the people around themselves that were not gifted or were not talented or were not capable, they thought in their own mind, of something. Moses couldn't talk. What, what, I mean, what about the apostles who were viewed as just fishermen and so basic and uneducated? They were viewed that way by the population, by some people in the population. And God called them anyway. And they did it. And when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they became these, these revolutionaries. When the church was born and they transformed all of Jerusalem and ultimately the world with the gospel message and the power of God. You don't have to be gifted or talented in a certain way. We all have them and we should use them how God wants us to and appropriately. But see, here's the thing. We, we say that, 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 that we're not gifted or talented and God says, yeah, but I choose the foolish and the weak things of the world and I confound the wise and strong things. And that's what I use. And that might be you this morning. If you have a superiority complex and you don't like people, repent. <laughs> if you have an inferiority complex and you feel like you're you're just a coward in every situation to serve people or whatever. Repent as well. And ask God to empower you, to give you confidence. Not cockiness, confidence. Amen. To serve others with the gifts he's given you, whatever that might be. The third reason we might give for not serving another is to say that I would do it if it weren't for all those difficulties and obstacles. If it just wasn't so hard, and if it wasn't this and that, and that prevents me. And Listen, that sounds reasonable, except that it is usually not convenient and not easy to help other people. In Luke 10, we know the story that Jesus shared, the parable of the Good Samaritan. You know that one? We read that the priest and the Levite walked... They, they, right, they passed right past that need. They walked right past the need that was before them. That man that was laying there, left for dead. And it was simply easier for them to ignore the need. And perhaps hoping that someone else could take care of it or him. Maybe even they said a little prayer for the guy. Rather than stop and help him. Do you do that? Well, I know so and so. But God, please send somebody else to help the brother who's sitting right next to me and I can do something. Have you been there? It's messy. It's going to take time. I, I, might, I might scratch a nail. I, I, I might have to sacrifice, you know, an hour of whatever you want to do instead. I, I can't do it. it, it it's, like, it's in my way. I, I'm not going to do it. It's not easy. See, here, here's the truth. The church is an amazing place because it's so full. It's absolutely packed with willing people. 
Every single one is willing in this room right now. And in the body of Christ today, everyone is willing. Some are willing to serve and the others are willing to let them. That's where we're at. And sometimes our version of Galatians 5.13 is this. Through love, serve one another if it's not too hard. There are always obstacles. But obstacles should not be our focus. The goal is the glory of God. The goal is to please God by serving others. You know, last Monday, we went to Carnet. Uh, There's four of us that went. We, we got to see the place and we got to, to pray and, and spend more time than we thought. But it was, it was amazing. And it was a very, very powerful time. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. If we talk about obstacles in serving not only Christians, but those in this world with the gospel message and just the love of Christ and just the good deeds that we're supposed to do because we're Christians that are infused and just filled with the gospel. So Rachel, the director there, and Jessica were there. She's a nurse manager. They were telling, talking. And just in a nutshell... They had, they had so many obstacles, and there are always obstacles. In fact, I was showing you in first service. We were there, and about 10 minutes into our thing, some guy runs in there, and he starts like, almost wanting to raise you-know-what, you know, because, because all of us were parked in this vacant parking lot across the street, and just being disruptive and kind of like, you can tell it, it, it distracted Rachel, who was doing the presentation, and it was on, now it's on her mind, and Satan's trying to whatever. Things like that. But, but it's even more than that. She was sharing about all the, the, the obstacles they face. And you could say, I'm throwing up my arms. I'm not going to serve in this capacity. Even though we, we, we know we've got to do this. And God, you've called us. And there's a need here in this community for this kind of ministry. And to serve them with the truth. And to give them an out. Um, you know, to, to make the right choice. And, and, and saving these, these babies and whatever. Money. People, personnel, and staff. The politics and the opposing worldviews that are there as obstacles. And they could say, oh no, I can't do that. It's time to pack up and I'm done, I'm going. It's too time consuming. It's too frustrating. Seeing the impact of sin on a community over and over again. And the fruit that results from it. And instead... They stand, even today, as a voice for the unborn who can't speak. And they represent God with a clear gospel message. And it's serving for here and for eternity. Amen. Well, I don't like them. They come in here twice a week and they're always wondering about, you know, if they're pregnant or not. <laughs> no, I'm being just transparent. That's the kind of ministry it is. And it, it, you can, that, if you had that attitude, you wouldn't serve. God's called them there and they're serving. Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Conditions are never just right to do the right thing, are they? There's always a cloud in the sky that might become a storm. <laughs> and if we let that stop us, then we're stopped. That's it. It's over. There's too many obstacles. We all have to go through them, and God helps us through them. It's just an excuse. Fourthly, two more, real quick. Fourthly, the other reason we give for not serving others is, I plan to, but later we procrastinate. It kind of piggybacks off this last one, kind of waiting for the right conditions. I, I'll do it, but later on. And in, in, in Matthew chapter 21, there's a parable that Jesus shares. And the principle applies here, even though it's a different message. But the principle applies. He gives the story of a man who had two sons. And he asked both of them, son, go work in my vineyard. Remember that story? One of the sons said, okay, dad, I'm happy to do it. I'm going to go and help. I'll do it. 
But he never got around to doing it, and he never worked in the vineyard. And the other son said, no way, Dad, I'm not going to do it. But later on, he thought about it, he repented, and he did what he asked, what his father asked him to do. And then Jesus asks a very simple question. It's like rhetorical. He says, which one did the will of his father? Obviously, the one who did it. (laughs) The one who worked in the vineyard. Not the one who just had an excuse and put it off because he was distracted by other things. The son who put the work off probably planned to serve someday or sometime. And there is the danger. Listen, this is really important. There's this danger we can set ourselves up to that we can hear about serving others so much that we can think about serving others so much over and over again that we can talk even about serving other people. And because all of that has happened so much that we're almost convinced in our mind or convince ourselves that we're actually serving others. You haven't done anything. I plan to, but later. What if Jesus did that? And told his father, you know, I think you should wait about 3,000 years. And then I'll go. Because I'm loving all the angel worship. So I'm going to wait. It wouldn't be good. Lastly, an excuse or a reason we give for not serving one another is that I am really, really busy. Guess what? So is everybody else. And you are making yourself busy, 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 busy. Amen. Just saying it the way it is. I'm not mad. I'm just saying it the way it is. I cannot stand. It's one of my peeves. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for being straightforward as I usually am. But one of my peeves, just let you into my heart, my head a little bit, is this line. How are you doing? Oh, I'm so busy. Well, so am I. And so is everybody else. And no one does anything. I'm not yelling at you. I'm just, no one does anything that's of lasting importance, that has eternal consequences. But we're so busy for crying out loud. With what? (laughs) I can't do this. I can't help with that. I can't. I'm not here to reprimand you or whatever. I'm just saying, we're so busy. We're all busy. We get it. We all have 24 hours in each day, and those hours, after all, they get filled in with something. And in Luke chapter 14, Jesus tells of a man who prepared a great feast. And again, the, the message is, 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 the context and the point is different, but the principle applies here. He invited his friends to join him at this feast, and everyone had a great reason for not being there. One of them had bought some real estate and needed to check it out. You would think you'd check it out before you buy it. But anyway, another one bought oxen and had to go and test drive them or give them a run. I mean, you'd do that first, right? You wouldn't buy a car without test driving it, right? I mean, anyway, it's all messed up. And one just got married and, you know, just couldn't go. They were all very, very busy people doing something. But the point of the story was was their excuses didn't matter. What mattered was the choice not to come. Everybody has an excuse not to serve others. Everyone, me too, everyone. Even those who choose to serve anyway, they just don't make that choice based on the excuse. As I mentioned, every week there's a small group or a group of people here, actually it's bigger than you think, that are serving and working in different ministries and places, that are serving faithful, and they, they, have, they can have a million reasons to not continue to serve or to make it or to come or to be there. 
but they choose to serve others in the nursery, in Awana, in our youth groups, in the food pantry, in Super Church, and, and the praise team. The list goes on and on and on. And we appreciate them for making that kind of choice. Because if they didn't, we'd probably know it. I am not saying this morning, we're going to wrap up in just a minute, I am not saying there's never a good reason not to serve others in a particular way. But I'm saying it's really a matter of choice, not excuse. That's what I'm saying. Maybe you're so busy with the practical things of life, and you might translate this verse that Paul wrote to the Galatians, through love serve one another if you're not busy with your own stuff. The command is unqualified. It's an unqualified command. We do not want to substitute excellent excuses for obedience. I'm going to say that again. We do not want to substitute excellent excuses for obedience. Especially when someone's well-being, not only physically, emotionally, but spiritually is at stake. Making time to serve others is a matter of priorities. When serving others is a priority, we find time to do it, right? Thank you. Thank you, Andrea. That's why you're serving in Awana. Praise God. When serving others is priority, we will find time to do it. Especially when God calls us. That's important too. And we will do it. When serving is not a priority, there will never be time to do it. And those are issues we all struggle with, if we're honest. So how do we close this morning? We read that Jesus said that he came to serve and not to be served. We read that Paul said that, that don't use your license to, your freedom as a license to sin and to be selfish, but use it as, as a form of liberty to serve other people where it's so freeing and joy-filled. And that we do it humbly and lovingly, we serve one another. What is the reason, before we leave, what is the one reason to do what Galatians 5.13 tells us to do, and that is to serve one another? It's because Christ's love compels us to do it. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, whatever we do, it is because Christ's love controls or compels us. It drives us. It motivates us. It helps us to see past and over, uh, uh, overlook those things that we don't like about people. It causes us to remember to put aside our schedule, even if it's for an hour or one night a week, so that we could serve others, to see the gospel advance and the kingdom grow and the church equipped. And we're a force to be reckoned with because we're all doing our part in the team. We're doing our job. And the church becomes efficient and effective in declaring who Jesus is clearly and seeing souls harvest, people becoming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So where are you at today? What is your attitude? What is your perspective? Because Paul's motives, Paul's purpose in life had been changed by his relationship with Christ. There was a revelation of Christ's love for him that he experienced and it revolutionized his thinking. That's true conversion. You are of one mind. You're enslaved to sin. You can't do anything else. I sin, I sin. I don't even think it. You just do it. Now, there's a revolution, a transformation. There's conversion that really happens. And you start to say, whoa, 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 whoa. It's not salvation. It's God. It's other people. It's not just me. How do I do it? How do I tell others? How do I bless others? How do I point them to Jesus? How do I do this? What can I do? You start thinking about that. If all Christianity does is make us religious, selfish people rather than secular, selfish people, then Christianity has failed its purpose. 
totally. Here's my prayer. It's simply this. God, pull my selfish heart out by the roots and fill me with your love for your people and those who are yet to know you. Fill me with that love. Pull that selfishness out. Jesus, in John chapter 13, we know what he did. He washed his disciples' feet. Do you remember that? We're very familiar with that. And he said that as I am washing your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. Now, was he talking literally? Most likely not. You can do it if you want. Go for it. But he was talking more about the idea of serving one another. That we would humble ourselves. We would humbly love each other to the point that we would do whatever it takes to bless, to encourage, to help our brother and sister. And then he says, I didn't come to be served. He didn't sit there and say, here guys, wash my feet. He just went and washed their feet. He didn't come to be served, but to serve and then give his life as a ransom for many. Are you willing? Are you ready to serve? Not to the point that you die, although that might happen if some God calls you somewhere and you serve in a certain way. But are you willing to serve? And this is big for us. Are you willing to serve to the point that you're inconvenienced even for a little tiny bit? I'm tired. I'm weak. I don't like them. You start whining and all. What did Jesus do for you? What did he do for his bride? What are you going to do for the bride? What are you going to do for the glory of God? So I challenge you and encourage you that we would do just as Jesus did and humbly out of love serve one another. I need help. You need help. We need help. And we can only do it with God's help. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we have this word this morning. I pray that each of these, Lord, scriptures and truths, God, would just resonate and penetrate and just touch us and transform us and cause us, Lord, to act with conviction, Lord, to have conviction so we act, we change something in our lives so that, Lord, we can be impactful in an efficient and effective way for your kingdom. Lord, I pray that you would point out those errors in our lives where, and those excuses that, Lord, they don't fly in your face. They don't work. Help us, Lord, to lay those down and help us, Lord, to uh, be compelled and driven by your awesome love that we would fulfill the ultimate command that we love you and then love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So help us as we go. Be glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.